Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a special episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and though things may be looking bleak immediately following two crushing losses to the Clippers and Kings, some relief could be on the way in the form of Nikola Miritich. I'm sure you guys are all privy to that information at this point. And here to talk about the ramifications of that deal, the ruptured Achilles uh, to DeMarcus Cousins, the Kings loss, and, and so many more terrible things right now, is the passionate and somewhat controversial Fletcher Mackle of WDSU. Fletcher, thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks. I guess that's an interesting introduction there. <laughs> Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Virtual, <laughs> but, but sure, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm giving you a hard time, but it's 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 frankly because when I when I see your videos, you have no fear. You have this article, uh, while heartless Pelicans should explore trades for Demarcus Cousins. To to be clear, Fletcher is not the only one giving this take. I'm giving him a hard time. If anybody listens to Nate Duncan and Danny Larue, you're obviously diehard basketball fans, or you wouldn't be listening to this ba- basketball podcast. But in the New Orleans area, I, I think it's safe to say, Fletcher, you're probably the only one uh, talking about trading Demarcus Cousins. Would you would you say that? That you thrive on controversy controversy or are you just like a really passionate fan well i i am not a fan let me clear that up right now that I, I i definitely would say that that is not where i would fall i definitely take you know what is it they say take what you do seriously but don't take yourself seriously so i do take being a professional sports journalist seriously and have covered this team since the day they moved here. Um, and so uh, so I definitely would not say I am a fan. But I do feel like because I have been invested in covering this team since they moved here in 2002, um, I, I do feel like I have a good working knowledge, understanding history of not only this franchise through two different ownerships, but the NBA as a whole. And, and I'll say this, I don't necessarily know. Look, everybody's right, everybody's wrong. Um, when we throw out opinions, 
Um, but I, I will say this. Some of the opinions that I've had that were strong were the fact that the Pelicans made, then the Hornets made a, a monumental catastrophic decision in re-signing Eric Gordon when he said he didn't want to be here. And, and I also said that it, I thought it was a really bad decision to fire Monty Williams, a coach that was loved in league circles that had really kind of grown with this team and a young player like Anthony Davis when he had gone from 27 wins to 34 wins to 45 wins in the playoffs. And, uh, and my take is I'm not saying they should trade DeMarcus Cousins. I'm just saying I think it's a bit irresponsible if they don't at least explore trading him because he is a supersized trade chip who could bring back a king's ransom in return. And it, if you just decide to double down on, on him with a catastrophic injury when history says he will not come back as the same player, I, I think you're doing yourself, your, your organization, Anthony Davis, and the fan base uh, a disservice. And make sure you guys follow him at Fletcher WDSU. Also joining us is editor to the birdrights.com and our leader and commander, Ali Cosell. Ali, how are you doing, sir? Hey, good, Preston. How are you, bud? I'm good, man. It's 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 good to have you back. Uh, as you know, Fletcher, uh, we had Ali out on a hiatus for a couple of weeks. So uh, always refreshing to hear your voice, sir. And I'm going to follow up what we just asked Fletcher to you. And w- with the idea of unloading DeMarcus Cousins and just all the trade rumors that we have going along with Meritich right now, how how crucial do you think it is that the Pelicans finish this season strong? And is it worth sacrificing a first-round pick just to say, uh, I don't know, keep a six-seeded finish? I think it is very important for the team to finish the season strongly. They have suffered, as Fletcher knows all too well, suffered disappointment after disappointment, and we've heard excuse after excuse. So it's very important for a team that has one of the best players in the NBA, and he's widely regarded as a top 10, maybe usually top five talent in the league, to not continually miss out on the playoffs. He's only made the playoffs just that one season, 2014-15, and everybody expected for the Pelicans franchise to take off after that. And they've done anything but. So I think just from that general sense alone, from that perspective, yes, this is quite important. Um, you should be able to be resilient enough of a team to be able to withstand um, even, even a, a, say, on an injury to like to DeMarcus Cousins. Um, when you've got Anthony Davis, you've got Drew Holiday, who's performing at a high level, and you've got several other kind of surprise uh, role players like each one more. So it's very important for this team, I think, to take that next step, because not only is it just for the success um, to be able to post something at the end of the season to hang your hat on, but it's also important for the fans to see that this team is still trying to make strides and moving forward because, you know, you got to give them a reason to have something to cheer for. And then obviously for the following seasons, you've got to be able to either retain DeMarcus if that's the plan because he's going to be a free agent, or you've got to try and uh, lure other free agents into this town to play with AD to play with Drew Holiday, to, you know, to kind of form something, um, so, some kind of semblance of a plan moving forward that's going to be successful and have a nice stretch run for the next three, four, five years. So that said, I think u- utilizing this first round pick is a smart idea. I honestly think Dell Dance has no choice but to use it. They've been in win now mode for a while. Um, and obviously they've got a couple of bad contracts. They need help currently on the roster. And the only way to do that is by selling off that pick. So I'm I'm all for it. Uh, Fletcher, I, I want to trace back to something we talked about over the summer. Uh, something that I quoted to, Ma- to Mason Ginsburg on this podcast was, 
What do the Pelicans do if they get to the midway point? Things aren't entirely working out. They're approaching the deadline. Do you still grant the benefit of the doubt to general manager Dell Demps, who's now in his eighth season and has something like a career uh, just over 400% winning percentage, just two playoff finishes, one as an eight-seed sweep, one in the seventh seed where they finished 2-4 against the Lakers. Uh, that was the last year of Chris Paul in 2010. And now we're at that trade deadline, and we're in another precarious situation where, I mean, you, you can say that uh, a lot of it comes to bad luck. Of course, they lost Drew Holiday for 12 games last year. They lost DeMarcus Cousins for the final 34. They had 352 games lost to injury just three years. You can say that this guy has been getting a lot of bad breaks. But with that being said, it has been eight years. And Mickey Loomis is obviously okay with allowing Dell Demps to deal first-round picks going forward, even though his future could be uncertain at this point. Do you feel comfortable allowing Dell Demps to make that decision, Fletcher? No. I mean, obviously, because history tells us that Dell has not been able to make the greatest decisions in the world. And so, and let me say this, even the decisions he's made, as you alluded to, they've been snake bitten with bad luck because of injuries in unforeseen circumstances like Drew Holiday's uh, family issue, which was a, a really difficult situation. And uh, at the start of last season, you know, the Pelicans started off the year in, in kind of a disarray and a tailspin because of that, that they could never pull out of. Um, but I don't have faith any longer in Dell Demps. And, and look, I've had conversations with Mickey Loomis about this. The Bensons and Mickey Loomis really like Dell. They have empowered Dell. They picked Dell over Monty. They want Dell to have success, and they have allowed him to do his job. And I think they're continuing to allow him to do his job. That being said, professional sports is a win business, and they haven't won. I mean, look, he inherited that you went back all the way to the 2010-2011 season when they lost to the Lakers in six games, that really wasn't his team. I mean, he inherited that team with, with Chris Paul and David West ended up getting injured at the end of that season, Emeka Okafor. I mean, that for all practical purposes was not his team. Um, so while I understand it happened under his watch, I still kind of say since he's arrived, for all practical purposes, they have not won a playoff game. Not for all practical purposes, they haven't won a playoff game. And, and while it's clear to see what he's tried to do, it hasn't ever come to fruition. And, and I've said this before about Dell Demps. I really think he is the outlier in professional sports. He has had multiple opportunities to produce winning teams. And when he hasn't, he has gotten second and third chances. And that is something that just does not happen in the world of high-stakes professional sports. You know, guys usually get one chance at a rebuild when it doesn't work out. It's, it's, it's off to uh, another GM, another head coach in a different direction. So he's gotten a lot of opportunities and none have panned out. So I, I don't have a ton of in Dell Demps any longer. That's not to say he's not going to be allowed to continue to do his job and make moves. He obviously is, is as we talked about with the Miritich trade that, that, that went up, fell apart yesterday and potentially continuing to explore moves this year. But I no longer have any faith in, in Dell Demps as being a successful general manager that will get this team to the playoffs and sustain success. Uh, Fletcher, just to be clear as to where we stand, going back to offseason, I, I was of a similar thinking that while it's not necessarily Dell Demps' fault after seven years, you, you just kind of have to cut ties and, and go forward. But with that being said, I was a, a pretty big Alvin Gentry defender because at the time you had that season with 352 injuries, like I mentioned, and then you had the Drew Holiday and then the DeMarcus Cousins coming in mid-year. And these aren't all necessarily decisions that Alvin Gentry had been making. But at this point, 
I, I think it is fair to criticize Alvin Gentry. And I'm going to throw this over to Ali. Uh, just after the game with the Sacramento Kings, he, he gave us a couple of excuses, as Fletcher said on WDSU. He said, we're still adjusting to life without DeMarcus. We're going to be okay. I still think we're a great team. He said he didn't understand the struggles in the third quarter. He was just going to keep experimenting. And, of course, he had that famous rant uh, a week ago about minutes and saying, you know, if that's the reason DeMarcus Cousins got injured, then it is what it is. If I could play Anthony Davis 48 minutes, I would. If I could play him 28 minutes and we would win, I would. But this is what I'm doing. I don't understand why I'm being criticized. And now he's kind of uh, changed his tune. And he's come out and said that he's only going to play Anthony Davis 36 minutes for the rest of the year. Where do you stand on Alvin Gentry's performance right now, Ollie? Yeah, it's a total mixed bag. And that is the biggest thing I'm glad you highlighted was this whole minutes talk as to where game after game and all month long for January, our big three was playing, seeing on an average of 40 minutes a game. And he was defending his decision, especially after losses with with uh, playing these guys, such huge minutes, because let's face it, it's a win now business. Um, the team is not that good when you look past the big three. They have struggled immensely up until this recent run before DeMarcus went down. So he always kind of pointed to what else am I supposed to do? As in, you know, he was maybe shorthanded with a roster. Sure, there's a lot of injuries, but he really didn't have a choice. So it is crazy to me all of a sudden that he has this now new stance on this whole how many minutes his uh, best players are going to be playing. And you're right, that 36-minute bar all of a sudden just comes out of nowhere. You have to think that's some kind of mandate from above, whether the front office specifically point to, okay, there might be, you know, we cannot risk another injury. Maybe there's some data that, you know, came out with one of their monitoring uh, systems where, you know, they're gauging, looking at the players on how tired their bodies are, how fatigued they are. Maybe there's some kind of red alert suddenly. Or maybe they're just being cautious after the DeMarcus Cousins injury. Who knows? But it's safe to say there has been a definite change in the line of thinking. And again, that's troublesome when you consider Alvin Gentry has not really shown to be a good leader of this team. He has not been able to inspire, to lead them, and to stick to a certain plan. Um, The plan seems to always be, you know, they throw stuff onto the wall and see what sticks. Lately, this season, what it's been is he's gone to a very small rotation. He has usually stuck to roughly eight, maybe a ninth guy every now and then, but sticking to a small rotation, playing them full bore, and hoping to bring in the win. Obviously, that's costing the team now. Um, look at this, Chick Diallo. I don't even know if he's an NBA caliber player anymore. His development has definitely stalled. And you can say the same thing with a lot of other players on the end of the bench. Fortunately, a player like Ian Clark has shown some semblance of uh, being able to produce again. But outside of that, you just you just wonder where this team is headed. And with Alvin Gentry being in his third year, having an Anthony Davis on the roster, the sex, success that one would think just hasn't followed. And Fletcher, would you say, uh, just to follow up on that, with Dell Demps having the power to utilize first-round picks going forward, and with Alvin Gentry, uh, like Ali mentioned, probably getting a note from somebody above him that he needed to limit the minutes to players like Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, who only played 34 minutes uh, against the Sacramento Kings, would would you say that this decision going forward probably spells doom for Alvin Gentry this offseason? I would say more than likely, but let me say this. If, if Alvin Gentry goes, Dell Demps goes. If Dell Demps gets to fire another coach and hire another head coach, I, I think a lot of people will really give up on this organization um, and probably shouldn't give up on the organization because, look, it's hard to see now what the vision, what the plan is. Look, a lot of people do not like when parallels are drawn between the Saints 
in the Pelicans, but it's fair to do it because they have the same ownership and same hierarchy structure with Mickey Loomis overseeing both teams. For, for all the Saints' wars in, 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 in the years since the storm, and there have been many, but there have been a lot of uh, high moments as well, there's a clear vision. And, and that's the one thing why I think Sean Payton is celebrated is it's almost an offensive visionary head coach. You know, when they draft a player like Alvin Kamara, and I know the sports are different, but I'm, I'm trying to get to a point here. When they draft a player like Alvin Kamara and Sean Payton says, there's a clear vision for what I want to do with this guy. Or when they hire Dennis Allen and, and bring him in, they go, he has a clear vision for what he wants to do with the defense. And I understand sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's, it's guys getting in the right system. But there's at least you can see a vision, a plan, a model, a program, if you will. There's none of that with the Pelicans. It is all just make it up on the fly as we go along day by day. Next year, in two years, it's just hard to see because, as you all just alluded with the minutes situation, Alvin Gentry was barking at the media and pretty fired up and defensive about he'll play these guys as many minutes as he wants because, or that's what he has to do to win, and, and it doesn't lead to injury. And then yesterday, in a very timid, passive way, he just throws it out there. They're going to play this, and that's it. So, I, again, it, it's just it's hard to see what is the leadership structure, you know, what is the vision for this team, what do they want to be, how do they want to play. And I, I did for a long time give Alvin Gentry a pass because I felt like he came into a situation and from day one, it changed. What he thought he was getting was never what he got. And it has morphed into different things constantly. And that is hard for a head coach. Um, and, and I finally felt like he and his staff, especially with Chris Finch, had, had put it together. And this team was maybe trending in the right direction. And then the Cousins injury happened. I laid the, the loss against the Kings, though, squarely at the feet of Alvin Gentry. Because, look, that team didn't seem motivated to play. That team didn't seem like it had any energy. That team didn't seem like it cared. And, and these are the jobs of a head coach to motivate in a positive or negative way to, to break that funk, so to say. And uh, so I, I'm down on Alvin Gentry right now. So to answer your question in a very long-winded way, I, I think that Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps, it'll be hard for them to survive going forward. Um, because even if the Pelicans sneak into the playoffs, the team we saw last night is, is going to be anything more than a sacrificial lamp if they get into the postseason. Don't ever apologize for being long-winded on this podcast. That's kind of what we do, right, Ollie? That's right. You haven't heard <laughs> that yet, Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned vision. That was something we kind of talked about last season. And Jeff Duncan even came on the podcast and talked about, you know, all these uh, mixed matched and moving parts. Of course, if you have the opportunity for somebody like a DeMarcus Cousins, you have to take it. But that's not necessarily the structure that somebody that Alvin Gentry uh, has been famous for utilizing. He's more like an Anthony Davis at the five and spread the floor and that sort of thing. Although now we know that Anthony Davis uh, is not a, a personal fan of playing the five position. But with that being said, I, I want to move on a bit to, to these guys and, and what it's going to take to salvage the season as we asked Ali earlier and of course a lot of people are ragging on Anthony Davis right now that he's he's not playing like an MVP caliber player he needs to be the leader he needs to do more he needs to take more shots he only took 16 against the Sacramento Kings but with that being said he does need help Ali and you mentioned he got some from Ian Clark and Drew Holiday is probably having the best year of his career who else with the Pelicans do you feel like needs to step up 
in order to salvage the season. And more importantly, just to continue on that that idea of vision and, and finding pieces and stuff, is somebody like Miritich enough to salvage the season? Obviously, they, they need somebody at the five, something we've been clamoring for since the offseason, and they haven't done that yet. When are they going to find somebody other than Omar Ashik who can spell Anthony Davis at that position? Yeah, they need not just one piece. Like a Miritich, he's, he alone is not going to change the trajectory of this team, which currently looks like it's headed straight down. It's going to take several players, first of all, um, whether that's, you know, including Solomon Hill returning t- Tony Allen. But they need a lot more production from a lot more players because these guys, you know, the energy these last two games in the second halves has just been flat out dismal. And I think people are right to criticize Anthony Davis. He is expected to be a leader uh, through and through, putting out all, you know, whatever it takes to win the game. And I don't really buy that it's necessarily 100% fatigue with him. Uh, I think it's also a lot of mentally. Um, I, I, I mean, you name it, he's now playing the five. So he's probably, he's never liked to play the center position to begin with. But now in DeMarcus Cousins' absence, he's kind of playing a different role, especially defensively. He's got a lot more different responsibilities than before. So it's a big hodgepodge. Yet you still need Anthony Davis to show that effort. He can't allow, as Fletch, I loved in his uh, little short on WDSU mentioned, Costa Kufis looked like an all-star, and that's absolutely right. He had 17 rebounds, and a lot of those came on the offensive glass against Anthony Davis. That just can't happen. Anthony Davis has got to own the paint wherever he is on the floor. He is one of the most dominant physical beings we've ever seen play this game, so he has to just show that on a nightly basis. And I can understand fatigue, and I can understand all this and that. But when you look over the entire season, you'll notice that there's a lot of other players that have played a lot of minutes, like Giannis Antetokounmpo and and, and a bunch of others. And before this month, honestly, the Pelicans outside of October were not in the top 10, 15 minutes played. None of them, Cousins, Holiday, or uh, Davis. And you've got to throw in the fact that Davis has missed, what, five, six games, left a bunch of other ones early. So you can't say that – you hope a 24-year-old isn't breaking down from the, all this wear and tear. Uh, you can understand it mentally. You can understand all these other responsibilities, other things weighing down on him. But again, it's, you can't have these excuses, not for a top five player, not for a franchise player. Um, and it's going to take for him, honestly, Preston, before, regardless of any other pieces that come back or Del Dems trades for, you need for that type of mentality um, to be exuded by Davis, to be able to lead this team. Because it's really showing dramatically now just how important DeMarcus Cousins was to this team. And it makes you wonder, was, is he the true leader of this squad? Is he the one that, you know, everybody feeds off of? Um, you know, it's only been two games, so we can't, can't put too much, you know, on us on, on this uh, past two performances. But moving forward, wow, there's going to be a lot, needs to be a lot of changes. But it's got to start with AD, first of all. Uh, you guys are listening to Ali Cosell and Fletcher Mackle of WDSU. Fletcher, before I let you go, just one more question. What would it take in your estimation to 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 do a 180 at this point? There's a lot of people I mentioned that I listened to to the Dunked On podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. A lot of people at the ringer are saying, you know what, it, the best time to sell on Anthony Davis is now. His value will never be higher. The value on that first round pick will never be higher. Get what you can for DeMarcus Cousins and just start a rebuild now because there's, there's no way that DeMarcus Cousins comes back even 80% of what he is going forward and it's just too great a risk uh, to lose Anthony Davis for nothing what would it take this season to restore your faith in the Pelicans going forward to buy back in on DeMarcus Cousins and Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry that there that there is a next step that they can take towards you know a four seed three seed getting more players uh 
like in the vein of these David West type older veterans who want to come and play in New Orleans and give big minutes and make a meaningful push? Where would the Pelicans have to finish without Boogie this season to restore your faith? Um, let me just start by answering that. There's nothing that, you know, we're living in fantasy world if we're talking about this team finishing three or four. There's nothing that's going to restore my faith in uh, in these guys probably at this point. Um, I would say a, a trade that maybe trade DeMarcus Cousins and, and use the trade chip to go get potentially Evan Fournier in, in from from Orlando. Go get Enos Cantor or Doug McDermott from, from the Knicks. And uh, that may restore my faith a little bit because it would change. Hey, look, we're, we're trying to commit to Anthony Davis, not only this year, but in the future, because my belief is that Cousins is not going to come back at even 75% of his former self, because history tells us it doesn't happen. Elton Brand didn't do it. Nemeth O'Core didn't do it. You know, foot injuries, ankle injuries ruined Yao Ming's career. So I don't believe Cousins is coming back. So oh, I, I believe he's coming back. I don't believe he's coming back in any way, shape, or form at all-star level. And, and when he does get back to even a good serviceable level, we're talking 12 to 15 months. You may be into the, the 2019 season. I don't think trading Anthony Davis is even on the table. If the people at the ringer or whoever else are saying that, that's not going to happen because you don't have to do that right now. That, that to me would be foolish. Even if you move on from Dell Demps, in Alvin Gentry in April, you still have the opportunity to bring in a new general manager and a new head coach and allow them to put the right pieces in place, at least for a season and maybe two around one of the top five talents in the league in, in Anthony Davis. So to answer your question, I don't know if there's anything other than trading DeMarcus Cousins for a package that brings back maybe fringe all-star type talent or quality talent to, uh, to salvage this season and, and go forward. That would probably be the only thing that would, that would, I could say, make me feel better as far as this regime. But again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to outbid and bid against themselves and overpay DeMarcus Cousins this summer and give him some ridiculous deal knowing the history of that injury. And, uh, and, and, and again, we'll, we'll see how it all unfolds. But right now it's kind of a, a dark time for Pelicans fans because it's so and there are so, so many questions and very few answers, but uh, but we'll see how it all unfolds. I, again, I just don't know. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours <laughs> on what's going to happen, what should happen, and, and what the results of any any hypothetical decisions could be. But what they really need, and, and, and I'll try to stop talking after this, is I really think they need to go in a different direction with a different general manager and a different head coach, almost whitewash the front office in, in sell Davis on, look, we've got general manager X and head coach Y and they are going to, in respected people too, go out and get people that are respected in league circles and uh, that Anthony Davis can at least buy into because he's obviously under contract through 2020. To me, any talk of moving Davis before the summer of 2019 is ludicrous. And even then, if, if a new regime could come in and move the knee and get him back into the playoffs next season, they're not going to trade him in the summer of, of 19. They would wait until the trade deadline at 2020, even if they didn't get as much on their return. Now is just complete nonsense, complete foolishness. It's not going to happen. It's great for, for clicks. It's great for talking. It's great for, you know, people that, that want to debate this, but it's, it's not even in the realm of possibility or reality.
Fletcher, thank you again so much for your time. Again, you guys can follow him at Fletcher WDSU. Make sure you check him out at Saints on Six as well. For all the grief we've given him, uh, Fletcher, truly a nice guy. We appreciate you having uh, having you on the podcast and your time. And uh, best of luck in the future. And we'll continue following you on the Twitter. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And look, it's not grief. Everybody has their own opinions. And so I, I welcome any and in all opinions and love interacting with people about the Pelicans. I, I feel like the more people that are passionate about the NBA. All right, Fletcher, get out of here. We're going to keep talking Kings with Ali Cosell. Again, that was Fletcher Mackle of WDSU. Make sure to follow him there. Ali, uh, before we go forward, I'm sure you've probably seen, uh, oh, actually you did, because we talked about it off the air. Uh, Rasul Butler and his wife, Leela Bell, just awful, depressing news. Uh, the former New Orleans Hornet and uh, Oklahoma City Hornet, uh, swingman. Uh, tragically, we lost him in a car accident. Uh, do you do you have any memories of Rasul Butler and his time in New Orleans that you'd like to share before we go forward? Oh man, that that is such sad news. I didn't even notice until I finished writing. You know, today's article I just posted. So here I am posting stuff left and right about you know possible trades, this or that, and uh, then I see that. So it just put everything in a perspective. Wow, um, it's sad, sad news. No matter what happened, um, a, a life was lost and somebody that was very good to the New Orleans city of New Orleans and the Hornets in general when he was here. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. Everybody, he was regarded as being always a good teammate. Um, he grew up in not one of the best areas. I think it was in South Philadelphia. So he was always surrounded by drugs and gangs. And so for him to end up where he did in life in the NBA as a class act, as a good teammate, um is obviously hats off to him so this is just a big tragedy that um i i mean i I don't know what else to say just he's going to be in my thoughts and prayers especially his family such a terrible news Preston. all right well said ollie and and thank you for letting me put you on the spot there uh this this just went on nbc sports i follow kurt healan and he has a nice write-up on him on nbc sports uh like i said this this being posted at 153 p.m so i'm sure the news hasn't been out that long uh let's continue and try to talk basketball obviously uh one of the people that Fletcher Mackle talked about and somebody that I've talked about at length is is hoping that the Phoenix Suns are going to buy out Greg Monroe and hoping that the Moose wants to come home to New Orleans. Another candidate being Andrew Bogut. Obviously, these guys are probably waiting to see what happens at the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, you don't want to come to New Orleans just for New Orleans to acquire another center and, and go back to being on the bench. Uh, these guys want to play and they want to know that they're going to play. And of course, the big story yesterday was the contract or team option, I should say, of Nikola Meritich. There was a, a deal put in place for Omar Ashik and uh, Omar R and Nikola Miritich to trade places in addition to a first round pick, but obviously there would have to be more that goes out with it because just Miritich's contract alone, I think he makes about 1.7 million more than Omar Ashik, so that would put the Pelicans over the dead cap. So there would need to be somebody like a Jameer Nelson or a Tony Allen into that deal. Uh, I, I don't think we talked about this on our podcast the other day because it hadn't happened yet, Ollie. Uh, we didn't just lose you, did did we? Oh, it's just me. All right, we're back with Ali Cosell. We had some uh, some internet difficulties there, but we've got them all figured out. And Ali, I'll continue with what I was saying about uh, Fletcher Mackle's desire to have Greg Monroe, the moose back in New Orleans, as well as Andrew Bogut, just somebody to spell some minutes at the five to play alongside Anthony Davis and to spell him when he goes to the bench now that he can only play 36 minutes per game. We kind of need those big man minutes for sure. And Omar Ashik and Czech Diallo just are not filling that void. But you'd have to think that uh, Greg Monroe and Andrew Bogut are probably hesitant to come to New Orleans until that 
trade deadline passes just because you don't know what the Pelicans' returns in these trades could be. They could bring in some kind of starting level center that would get more minutes over Greg Monroe and Andrew Bogut completely nullifying their need to be in New Orleans. So uh, definitely reason for them to be cautious until that eighth deadline passes. With that being said, we've got that Miritich trade that was down the pipeline and discussions are still ongoing. He makes a little bit more than the Pelicans can afford, uh, $1.7 million more than Ashik, so they'd have to include another player in the deal, and that would give them the availability to bring in like DeAndre Liggins or, or an Andrew Bogut uh, in addition to that. What are your thoughts on this deal, Ali? What do you think it's going to uh, take to get it done, and who, which player do you think the Pelicans should include in that deal in order to clear out space for somebody like a, a Bogut or a Liggins? Well, I think that the Pelicans, first of all, are being very smart in how they're handling this. Um, from everybody I've talked to or heard or read, the Pelicans are one of the few, if not the only teams to be offering up a first-round pick in a lot of these scenarios, these trade scenarios. So they are, you know, they've got all the leverage here and all the talks. Dell Demps does not need to jump on the first decent offer, which Nikola, the Nikola Miritich offer sounds like it was. Uh, we don't know what other pieces were involved. And you know there had to be some because the deal, as you mentioned, would have not worked straight up for Omar Ashik because the Pelicans are restrained from a hard cap and at, we're, they're sitting just 1.2 million away from it. And by taking on Miritich, he would have added an additional 500,000 or so to the book. So that deal in itself could not happen. So what you hope to see is that the Pelicans honestly offload more salary. I think it is great that I've heard amongst you know on social media that. Why not Alexia Jensa? He's useless, honestly, for this roster going forward. Why not package up his $5 million to go and ship it off to Chicago as well? And you can go ahead and attach some smaller asset with him because obviously, you know, Chicago's not going to be too eager having both two dead weight kind of type of anchor centers on their roster. So attaching maybe a future second round pick or maybe a Sheck Diallo or Frank Jackson would go ahead and accomplish that task. So, yeah, I am happy to hear that we haven't jumped on the first offer, first decent offer, that the Pelicans do need to utilize since they have the leverage in getting as much as they can at the 2018 first-round pick. You know, Preston, we knew since, you know, even before the summer that this, this pick likely had no chance of surviving for the Pelicans utilizing it this com- uh, coming summer. So it, this was already, you know, like a sunk cost almost to me. You know, it's just the matter of when the Pelicans are, are going to spend it, not if. Um, I think Meritich would make for, honestly, a really good fit, but I would prefer that the Pelicans honestly bring back maybe another penetrator, another ball handler, along with like a big man slash maybe a floor spreading uh, big forward. Uh, the Pelicans have a lot of holes, as we've noticed, and I feel like in these last two games, they've revealed themselves. Anthony Davis is not comfortable yet at the five, although moving forward, I would love to see him play the five because it gives Alvin Gentry the best chance to run his offense for Chris Finch to be able to have those four shoes, to have that ball movement, player movement, as to where we wouldn't be hamstrung with, you know, an Andrew Bogut, an Omar Ashik type of player who's not going to be able to move fast, isn't able going to be able to add a lot of a- positive attributes out there on the floor on the offensive end. Um, so that that's the big key here. I think we noticed that Drew Holiday was really the only player that was able to break down his man. Uh, the Pelicans are sorely missing Cousins' ability to be able to, you know, draw opposing defenses in towards him, whether it's off the drive with a pass. Um, outside of Drew, there was nobody. AD tried a few times. He was unsuccessful. Each one more seems to only be able to get his within the flow of the offense where he'll utilize his floater. 
Um, same thing with Ian Clark. And and for our point guards, our legitimate point guards, you've got Rajon Ronda, who doesn't look to score. He's just merely a facilitator. And Jameer Nelson's got, obviously, size issues. So he doesn't like to go down and live inside the paint. So the Pelicans would, I mean, and I'm looking at the Memphis Grizzlies. I think, I think this was Mac that suggested it. I'm not sure. But, you know, the Grizzlies are looking to offload Tyreek Evans. Um, and it's been known, I think there was a beat writer out of Philadelphia that mentioned that the Pelicans are one of the interested parties in perhaps uh, bringing back Tyreek Evans, you know, trading for him. So I think that would be a great starting piece um, or point, excuse me. And then the Pelicans could also seek to grab maybe another big off of that roster, like a Jamichael Green or uh, whoever else, maybe a Brandon Wright. So I think that the Miritich deal, while sounds good, unless the Pelicans could bring back, say, a Justin Holiday or attach some other usable asset. Um, I think they need to honestly look under other rocks, and Memphis is a good good starting point. Tyreek Evans, Preston, I just got to mention, he's, a, he's very familiar with, obviously, a lot of these players on the roster. He's played under Alvin Gentry. He would be able to step right in so the Pelicans wouldn't have those chemistry issues. And then uh, his mentality, wow, I feel like that's what the Pelicans need. Since Boogie went down, you need kind of that go get him type, type A personality. And Tyreek offers that. Yeah, one other uh, trade that I liked, uh, uh, the Magic are going to be a big seller going into this deadline. And something along the lines of Mario Hazonia, Jonathan Simmons, and Kem Birch for Cech Diallo, Frank Jackson, and Omar Ashik, something like that to offload salary. But one important thing that I wanted to uh, raise with this whole meritage for potentially a Jensen Ashik trade, obviously uh, a Jensen Ashik and Diallo aren't helping us at the center position. But with that being said, they still are bodies. We need bodies that can go with that five position even if they yeah. are really bad ones. And the Meritich uh, doesn't really give us that. He's a, he's a small ball four. He can do threes. He's not an, a, you know, a league-leading rebounder. Obviously, he can give you some space there. Oh, we've got Kevin Berrios. What's going on, Kevin? What's happening, man? Oh, wow. I'm going to pose this question to you, Kevin. Uh, we were just talking with Ali about the potential trade ideas. And one question I had for you, Kevin, with this Omar Ashik for a Nikola Meritich deal, this doesn't bring back the Pelicans a workable center or even a, a, a typical four-size guy. We'd still have Dante Cunningham and Nikola Meritich playing the four and nobody really to take the pounding that Anthony Davis has to take. And now that he only plays 36 minutes per game, according to the words of Alvin Gentry, there's still 12 minutes of center position play that needs to be held. Where are the Pelicans going to get those minutes if they send out Ashik to Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I, I like... I mean, like I said before, Beritich isn't my top choice, but I'm very happy to have him added. For me, that's just re- you're removing Dante's minutes, and that's a big plus right there. But you're right. He doesn't give you rebounding, rim protection, uh, screen setting, those kind of things that we need. So you still need to make another move to clear a roster spot for either a buyout or, you know, like you could do the thing uh, where we trade Jameer for or like Maurice Spates, who isn't like – a world beater of a player, but he's a band-aid right now that, you know, can stretch the floor a little and give you some defense, some nastiness and some screens and some rebounding. Or if you can find space to get a buyout guy like, like um, Monroe or um, Favors or, or Bogut, you know, that, that also has to happen. I mean, I always felt like we already needed an extra big man. So now that we lost Boogie, I feel like we need two, two big men. Ali, let's talk about the Kings matchup now. Uh, Kevin, we've been talking about 
trade candidates, how we can improve the roster. We've been talking about Dell Dems, Alvin Gentry, and Anthony Davis, sort of who's to blame. Who do you give the benefit going forward? Uh, and Ali, uh, it, it was a pretty downer of a performance. We saw the Pelicans come out and fight hard against the Clippers, and they did what the Pelicans do in the third quarter, which is score 15 points, and they kind of just ran out of steam. They had a chance to, to win it in the final minute before Blake Griffin nailed that three-point shot but against the Kings we we didn't get that that kind of effort they did lead by as much as I think nine I want to say in the second quarter they had a two-point lead going into halftime but once they came out in the third quarter they just got run off the floor again I think it was uh 29 to 23 in favor of the Kings like you said Costa Kufis was a world beater uh Zach Randolph had another incredible throwback performance and and the Pelicans didn't look just short. They 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 looked inept um, at times. It and it, it looked like it's going to be a long season if that's the type of production we're going to get out of these guys. Do you do you think this is a matter of energy? Do you think this was a part of the trade talks falling through? Maybe that had a residual effect on some of the guys like Omar Ashik knowing that he was on his way out of town. Why do you think they came out so flat against these guys again? Yeah. Um... Preston, I mean, that's a great question that obviously they're trying to figure out in the locker room because uh, they, they've alluded to all sorts of reasons. I mean, mainly Alvin Gentry just likes to point to the third quarter, but there's a lot more issues going on. Uh, fatigue has definitely got to be a part of it, the mental drain of losing um, a, such a key vital piece when you had won eight out of the last ten games. looked like to be in perfect position to make a move at that, you know, maybe even possibly as high as a four seed. So. It's definitely, you know, we're getting some of that residual effects of just, just, just this, this devastation. So being across the Pelicans landscape uh, by losing such a major component. So that's part of it. <coughs> the energy, the third quarters, <coughs> and I, and I, as I alluded to, I still think that Anthony Davis needs to step up bigger in a much larger role. Um, and moving forward, they've, they've got to uh, find a way to motivate themselves. I don't care if they've got tired legs, but if you can come out in the first half and put up these type of performances, um, but but completely fall off a map in a second, I mean, I don't know. Look, I've been watching professional sports for over 30 years. I've never seen anything what is cons- or currently, um, you know, holding the Pelicans back. And it is just that dramatic drop-off where they can't seem to do anything right. And it's not just effort. They, they're making some really ridiculous decisions out there. Uh, Jameer Nelson coming down the stretch of last night's game, just hoisting the three without getting in the offense. Um, never mind the fact he still likes to step on that that three-point line for you, Preston. But there was other bad decisions made in that game, too, where they're just forced passes or, or t- trying to take on two men. Uh, and on the other end, I saw a 30th-ranked offensive team, the Sacramento Kings, be able to toss the ball on the Zach Randolph repeatedly in that fourth quarter. The Pelicans didn't do the same on their end with Anthony Davis. Why was that? So anybody that wants to keep or solely point the finger at fatigue, I'm not buying it. I think this team needs to have somebody assert some leadership. And by that, I mean, go ahead and point out where the players should be running, uh, where they should be going, who the ball should be going through. And that's why I'm looking at Anthony Davis uh, so hard pressing. I feel like this is right now a golden opportunity for him just to say, look, guys, I'm going to try and carry as best we can, but we've got to make sure that we get the ball to me in the right spots. So just start from there. You know, you can't have a Jameer Nelson hoisting a shot, you know, and and Mike James got in ahead of him that game. So, you know, that Jameer's hanging on a thread as it is in this rotation. So, I mean, there's so many issues and we can talk about this all day, but, you know, let's move on. I just really quick, Kevin, I wanted to say that I just voiced, uh, gave a positive thumbs up for 
the Pelicans to chase Tyreek Evans, some combination of a package with their first round pick instead of chasing Meritich. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to close this out with you. The Pelicans have four games before the trade deadline. You'd have to think whatever trade does end up happening, Dell Demps is probably going to wait until we get to the finish line, that being Wednesday, uh, February 7th against the Indiana Pacers. Before he pulls the trigger, like you said, he's probably going to build up interest. He has one of the only moving first-round picks, and it's probably going to be a good one settling in around the middle of the first round. Kevin, the Pelicans have four pretty difficult but must-win games. Uh, Not all must-win, but against the Thunder, the Timberwolves, the Jazz, and the Pacers. The time to salvage this season is now. How do you think these four games will affect what the Pelicans do or do not do at the trade deadline? I mean, I don't think they affect anything. I mean, I know they they know they need help for not just this season, but for also for next season. So they have to do stuff to make things work. And, um... I'm going to keep that answer short because I do want to touch on some of the things that y'all were just talking about. Um, one thing is uh, about last night's game. I think this is purely speculation on my part, but remember at the end of the Clippers game, we saw AD tweak a groin and fall down and lose the ball out of bounds. There's a chance that he wasn't feeling great in that game. And then you also combine that with the fact that it looked like he was getting some help with Miritich coming over, and he was probably getting excited about that. And then the report he hears is that the trade doesn't go through because this team does not want to pay the tax to get him help. And surely that's like a downer for him. So it's like telling him, we want you to carry everything. We want to do something, but we're not really willing to do everything we need to make this work for you. So I can understand him not being up as much as he would have been for that game had that news not broken. And then also possibly physically he was struggling with a, with possibly a tweaked growing still. Um, and then I have one other real quick thing. I just want to tell this little story. Um, today I was talking to my general manager at work. who is a guy who hates basketball. Um, but he, I gave him our business card because I'm trying to get him to advertise with us. But he uh, he is famous for I, for during All Star break, Chris Paul's manager called and tried to reserve our back room. And he, when the guy said, "Yeah, I'm calling on behalf of Chris Paul," my general manager said, "Who's Chris Paul?" Yet when I gave him our business card, he said, "Oh yeah, this guy Ollie. I've heard him on the Eric Asher show." So, Holly, you were more famous than Chris Paul at Portico. There you go. That's pretty great. Uh, We're having some technical difficulties with Kevin's phone, so we're going to go ahead and call it here. Uh, This this was a lot of fun getting Fletcher's takes. A a super passionate guy who, whether or not you agree, nice guy, uh, has some good ideas, although they are on the opposite end of the spectrum in a lot of respects from from Ollie's, from mine, from Kevin's. It's just fun to, to have a debate, to throw things back and forth, so couldn't be more appreciative of his time. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, it's so good to have uh, Ollie back on here. He sounds fantastic with his slew, his blue snowbell uh, microphone, excuse me. Uh, Ollie, anything you want to plug before we let you go? Eh, not really. I mean, we've touched on everything. We, we seem to be doing a lot more podcasts now, and I, I'm loving that. So we're, we're staying more current, more relevant up to date. Yeah, you've got a great article right ha- right now. New Orleans Pelicans trade deadline approach is straightforward. Dangle 2018 first-round pick for best salary cap-friendly deal. Make sure you guys check out that. Kevin also has some great trade ideas, uh, three articles worth. So make sure you check that and follow him at Kevin B for Bounce. Kevin, any parting shots? No, I just, I'm excited to hear this from the beginning so I can hear uh, Ollie's Tyreek post. Uh, 
uh, request for Tyreek. I'm excited about that. And that one is intriguing. Tyreek bringing him back home alongside Jamichael Green. Jamichael's somebody who would fit nicely next to Anthony Davis and kind of uh, repel those those big guys, those Costa Kufuses and those Zach Randolphs and those Blake Griffins and DeAndre Jordan. So definitely intriguing. There's going to be a lot of these ideas. There's uh, probably going to be a lot of chatter going on in the next week. You'd have to think that with this Bulls-Pelicans uh, trade falling apart, somebody is leaking this to the Adrian Wojnarowski's and the Vincent Goodwills in hope of drumming up other interest across the NBA. So uh, playing a bit of politics right now and uh, playing it well, uh, according to Ali, at least. Uh, thank you guys so much again for listening. You are listening to The Bird Calls. We've had Ali, Fletcher, myself. If you like what you're hearing, make sure that you subscribe and, and rate us on iTunes. And if you don't, hey, thanks for listening anyway. We'll have another episode for you guys over the weekend, hopefully following a couple of wins. Ali and Kevin, for myself, Preston, thanks for listening. Let's go Pels. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.